Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Blondie called Dagwood Buys a New Suit. It first aired on October 30th, 1939. Out of the funnies into your homes, and we hope your hearts too, the makers of Camel Cigarettes bring you Blondie. Before we drop over to the Bumstead house to visit Kit Young's famous characters, Blondie and Dagwood, a word from the makers of Camel Cigarettes. You know, there are several reasons why camels are called the pleasure cigarettes. They're a slow-burning cigarette, for one thing, and those slow-burning tobaccos and camels are costlier tobaccos. That means more pleasure in every puff. Camels are milder, easy on your throat, cooler, without the irritating qualities of too fast burning. And because slow burning lets the flavor come through, you get in camels all the fineness of flavor and aroma that makes camel cigarettes so different, so unfailingly refreshing. No, sir, you don't get tired of smoking camels. It's a pleasure to light up a mild, tasty camel. You know you're going to get smoking pleasure at its best, and extra smoking, too. Recent impartial laboratory tests show that by burning 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest selling brands tested, slower than any of them, camels give a smoking plus equal to five extra smokes per pack. That's extra value in any smoker's language. Extra value and extra pleasure. Yes, penny for penny, camels are your best cigarette buy. And now it's time to drop in on the Bumsteads for that weekly visit. Tonight we find Blondie at the telephone, listening to what seems to be an unending stream of chatter from her neighbor, Hazel Fuddle. From the depths of his own particular chair, Dagwood also listens. Well, we might as well listen, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Of course I've seen it. Um, what paper did you see it in, Hazel? You did? Well, I guess it's in all the papers then. Oh, wait just a minute, Hazel. Dadwood? Yes? Where's our evening paper? Oh, it's out in the kitchen. Would you mind getting it, dear? You mean right now? Please, dear. Uh, All right. Uh, What did uh, Hazel Fuddle see in the paper? Later, Dadwood. Do you mind getting it, dear? No, I'm going. But I didn't see anything much in it. Hazel? Listen, I sent Dadwood after the paper so I could explain. You see, he hasn't seen that article yet, and I'm not sure how he'll act when he does. You know, the way they mentioned his name and all. But I'll let you know later. Thanks for calling. Bye. Did you find it, Dadwood? Yeah. Uh, what was Mrs. Fuddle talking about? Oh, something on the society page. Society page? There's never any news on that. Oh, you might be surprised. Look, don't you think it would be nice if you read me the society page while I go on darning your socks? Mm. Well, it's a funny thing to me the way women like to read about society. They don't know any of the people they read about. Well, you don't know any of those football teams you read about either. That's different. Football is interesting. Well, don't you think society people ever do anything interesting? If they do, it never gets into the papers. Listen to this. 
Miss Cece Paxpetty, beautiful debutante daughter of Mrs. Henry DeClancy Paxpetty, with her favorite oldie English sheepdog, champion honey boy highlight of Pogobrook. Oh, that's under a picture of a homely girl with her feet on what looks like a bale of hay. It goes on to say here, uh, Miss Cece is an enthusiastic motorist. Oh. She's one of the younger kids. Just came out this year. Yeah, it came out. Well, with a face like that, she should have stayed in a little longer. Oh, read the motorbike word. Well, oh, let's see. It says, uh, Mrs. Boring Bangs, popular young matron is soon to follow the bird southward for an extended stay. Who cares? Dave Boomer again links the names of R.M. Dickey Ranking and Esme Twig, the former Mrs. K.W.V. Trigg, uh, Mays Hornsringer, blah, 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 Miss Nancy Dick and Mr. Who's It's That. The only name in... On the whole page here, we ever heard of is Mrs. Upham. Oh, is she mentioned? What's she doing this time? Same as always, giving some kind of a shindig here. Uh, this time it's a fashion show. Oh, oh can you imagine this? It's a fashion show for men. <laughs> What's well, funny about that? It's for a worthy cause. <laughs> sure, but for men, Blondie. Men don't have fashion shows. That stuff is just for women. Maybe it's time men did have a fashion show. No, no, men don't like to strut around showing off clothes. Oh, don't they? No, I bet she doesn't get any real he-man to be a model for. What does the article say, Dagwood? Oh, well, it says it's going to be at the Embassy Hotel. Oh, listen. <laughs> In an effort to prove his clothes do make the man, and incidentally to swell the coffers of her favorite charity, Mrs. Emily Upham has planned a gala affair for tomorrow evening when male attire will be displayed on living models recruited from the world of business as well as from the ranks of fashion. Yeah. An amusing topsy-turvy plan calls for the well-known social lion, Clarence B.G. Capulet, to appear as the man dressed in bad taste. <laughs> While a much-desired role of the best-dressed man will be filled by a rising young executive, Dagwood Bumstead, who will portray the role... Dagwood Bumstead! Hey, wait a minute! Dagwood Bumstead! That's me. Isn't uh, that lovely, Dagwood? What? what? How do you mean? Wait a minute. This must be a mistake. Oh, no, dear. The paper has it, Dagwood. Oh, how can it be right when I don't know anything about it? Well, of course, I wasn't sure myself until this afternoon that Mrs. Upham would see things my way. Your way? Listen, Blondie, did you ask Mrs. Upham to put me on a spot like this? Guys, uh, do you want me to be kitted out of the office? I don't think any of Mr. Gidder's employees will try to make fun of you, Dagwood. Not with Mrs. Gidder's on Mrs. Upham's committee. Well, he helped me get the well-dressed man's part for you. It's quite an honor, you know. It is, huh? I mean, is it? Why, of course, dear. Mrs. Upham could have had a well-known actor or some society sportsman or anybody for that part. But she chose you. Gosh. You do wear clothes so well, Dagwood. Well, I'm not what you'd call a fussy dresser. But uh, I bet if I had the money to spend, I could show some of those social guys. You're going to show them, Dagwood. Well, of course, I wouldn't want to let Mrs. Upham down. Uh, not after you and Mrs. Dither's asked her, but... Uh, oh, it'll be all over before you know it, Dagwood. You just walk across the stage. I do, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought maybe I could just turn her out and maybe stand there a minute, you know. Well, that'll be all right, too. Yeah, no use getting all dressed up and then running across the stage before anyone can get to see you. Mm -hmm. Uh, look, maybe I could come out like this, see? And, and when I uh, got caught in the middle of the stage, I could stop and kind of frown and then maybe make believe I was brushing a speck off the sleeve or something. Uh, that's how a well-dressed man does. I think if you just act natural, Dad, what it would be best. Just smile, and, and then when they applaud you, well, you might bow a little and then walk off. Yes. Yeah. Oh, maybe I could show them I, 
heard the applause by shaking hands with myself over my head like this. Hi, boys. Hi. Well, I think that's more for a prize fight than a fashion show. Oh. So I was thinking that you ought to have a new suit, Dagwood. Huh? A real good one. We might go to Dr. Harbor and Craven for it. Uh, they're awfully high, Blondie. Divis uh, went in there once and it cost him 85 bucks for a plain suit without even a pattern on it. Well, we won't pay that much, Dagwood. But I bet I'll find something for less that we'll both be proud of. You, uh... Want to come with me to pick it out, Blondie? Huh? Of course, Dagwood. Oh. I always have gone with you for your suit ever since we've been married. Yeah, I know, but... Uh... So let's meet each other outside Dasher Harbor and Cravings at your lunch hour tomorrow. <laughs> This is what Dasher Harbor and Cravings look like inside. No wonder they're high price, Dagwood. Just feel how thick this rug is. Yeah, but uh, where do they keep the suit? Hmm? They have to go back out of sight somewhere every time they get to get one to show you. I like shopping this way. <laughs> it's very luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always wanted a red leather chair like this at home. Say, did you notice this? What? Three cigarettes and an ice tray by every chair. Pretty classy. I guess the regular customers have time to loaf around and talk about clothes all day. Well, I haven't. Oh, gosh, my lunch hour is nearly gone, and they haven't even tried a suit on yet. Oh, they took your measurements, though. Yeah, it took three fellas to do it. I wonder where they've all gone to now. Oh, to find something that fits you, I guess. Yeah, or else look up my bank account and see how much to ask me for a suit. Hey, these seats on the table have price tags. Yeah. Look, on little cards hidden in the pocket. Oh, my. This one says $95. Oh, okay. Come on. Let, let, let's get out of here, Blondie. Uh, why, why, down at Charlie's Choice Clothes, you can get the best in the house with two pairs of pants for half and Now, don't worry, dear. I told the nice old man we wouldn't go over $75. Well, did you tell him why I was buying the suit? Yes, of course. I wanted him to take an interest. Well, look, Blondie, if any of them ever come back, let me do the talking, will you? I don't think the men who buy in here explain everything to the salesman. Well, it's just a story after all, Dagwood, even if it is expensive. Well, I know, but I feel kind of like a schoolboy coming in here with his mother to buy some new corduroy pants or something. I bet when Divis bought his suit in here, he didn't bring his wife along. Oh, don't you want my advice on what to get, Douglas? Oh, I don't mind you looking at what I buy, only I want to buy it. I can make up my mind if they'll just show me what I want. Of course, dear. I won't say a word unless you ask me what I think. Look, here comes Lance Man back with another suit. Oh, it looks lovely, Douglas. Such a nice gray. Blondie. Let me decide. Yes, dear. I must offer you the most profound apologies for my protracted absence, Mr. Bumstead. <laughs> well, it's okay, only... But yeah. of course, at Dasher Harbor Craven, one comes to feel that the selection of a really proper garment for a gentleman is not a matter lightly undertaken, Miss Potts. Huh? Uh, well, sure. And do one understands that this purchase is of additional importance since one is to reign for a night as a modern Beau Brummel. How much is that suit you've got there? Oh, quite within one's price range, I venture to say. Yes. It is Tangay in the extreme. Uh, how much? It is, of course, a creation in which art conceals art to all, save those who know. How much? Yes, uh, one predicts that it will identify itself as having the indispensable eclat which marks the informal suit destined for stipulated occasion. How much? Uh, huh? Uh, what makes you think that? It so happens that the two-button sack in dove gray, which this model exemplifies so charmingly, is experiencing a notable revival of interest among continental society. Oh. Uh, may I venture to suggest you slip on the jacket, sir? Oh, oh thank you. Oh, dove gray. 
I'll probably look like a pigeon in this. Oh, oh, hardly that, sir. Of course, good taste must prevail, and this garment, while just audacious enough to be hailed as a relief from the same old, tame old thing, still clings sturdily to the rock-bound foundations of good convention. Don't you think so, Mrs. Bumstead? I think it looks beautiful on you, Dagwood. And I quite agree. Oh, quite. Uh, uh, look, I'm buying this suit, and I don't think I like this. Oh, I'm well. desolated. It's so truly huh? your suit, Mr. Bumstead. Oh, to be sure, it requires a bit more self-assurance to wear than one's lesser garments. But uh, look in the glass, sir. Uh, well... Now, mm-hmm. picture yourself swinging an ebony-headed stick at your side, but jauntily. Uh-huh. Oh, I see you as a veritable cavalier of the boulevard. Mm-hmm. Well, it does set me pretty good. Oh, but naturally. It's a point of pride with us here at Dasha Harbor and Craven that each customer to leave our shop must be indefectibly correct in the smallest detail. Mm-hmm. Whether he be poised busily upon the very peak of social eminence, or be merely an aspirant for the laurels of the truly well-turned-out. Oh, yes. How's that? Oh, he means they won't sell anyone a suit that isn't right for them. Oh. But that is perfect on you, Dagwood. I quite agree. I'll take their advice, Dagwood. Now, listen. I don't want to be rushed into anything. Well, but I thought you were in a hurry, Dagwood. I am, too. Uh, Oh, it's almost one o'clock. Uh, well, listen, I guess I won't uh, make up my mind right now. I- I'm going to uh, look around some more before I buy. Well, uh, maybe Mr. Um... Uh, Slib, madam. Oh, thank you. Maybe Mr. Slib would lay this suit aside for you, Dad. Right? One is delighted to oblige. Oh, well, don't go counting on my buying it now. But save it for us anyway until tomorrow noon. As madam wishes. Thank you. Well, I may be back or I may not. If I do come back, I'll be alone and I'll be in a hurry. Uh, so, uh, so you better have a lot of stuff for me to look at and, and then let me make up my own mind uh, what I want to wear, huh? Certainly, sir. But one ventures to say you will scarcely improve on this selection at the price. Yes. Good uh, day, sir. Yeah, Good day. Goodbye. Uh, come on, Blondie. Gosh, I'm late already. Dagwood, you weren't very nice to Mr. Sid. Well, he bothers me. Too much fancy talk. Uh, look, I'll have to run back to the office. All right, dear. But don't buy anything until you talk to me again. Well, uh, I may just look around a little on my way to the bus. I have to go by Charlie's Choice Clothes Store and, uh... And don't go in there, Dagwood. Oh, no, no. Just window shop, maybe. Come on. Oh, no, no. Uh, look, Charlie, I just stopped to look in the window a minute. Well, what can you see in the window? It's inside here I got the best stuff, Mr. Bumstead. Oh. You know what I just told my partner? What? I said, ain't it lucky we got our fall line already for Mr. Bumstead when he comes in? <laughs> you did? <laughs> well, guys, I'm sorry, Charlie, but uh, <clears throat> I've about made up my mind to take a little suit I saw at Dasher, Harbor, and Craven. Ah, oh, Mr. Bumstead, you must be kidding. You're too smart a fellow to pay the prices those robbers ask just for a label. Uh, they have pretty high-class clothes, Charlie. Oh, high-class, sure, if a fellow wants to look like he was a back number, but no snap to them. No? Now, in that fashion show, you're supposed to be a man that knows what's the latest fashion. Am I right? Sure, I'm the well-dressed man. Oh, style leader, okay. You come to a place where we're even ahead of the style. Oh. Now, up at DH and C, what do they show you? Styles that would be all right for your grandfather if you didn't get around much, but not for a young fellow with a good figure like you got. Well, now listen, now it's for, now it's for you to say I wouldn't try to sell you. But how is this for a little pepper? Yeah, it looks like mustard to me. You sir. see, you know color. Mustard color is right. Huh? You know what this is? It's strictly a PM. Now get a load of that lapel. You yeah, see how it fits to stand up over the shoulder, you yeah. see? And look, a double-breasted vest. That's class. Here, now slip this coat on for size. Uh, now, wait a minute. Listen, now, now, only, listen, only for size, Mr. Bumstead. I'm not selling you anything until you see what you want. Uh, now, look. Now, isn't that perfect? 
Well, these buttons. All right, them wooden buttons is all wrong. And for no extra charge, I'll put on pearl buttons. Now, don't move. I want the tailor to see you just like that. But her treat. Uh, listen, I don't want pearl buttons either. Ah, uh, listen, but my treat is all wearing buttons this year, Mr. Bunstead. And with me, the customer has got to be right, and the buttons come off. Yeah, the coat comes off too, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> what a joker. Now, now listen. For a man like you, I'm going to break a rule. Now, listen. Right. You know what's in back of my store? No. A case of garments direct from our outlet on 14th Street, New York City. I was saving them for a little later until the style trying to catch up to them. But for you in that fashion show, I'm going to give you only the best. Well, I haven't got the time to wait for you to open a whole Oh, no, no. Why waste your time? I got your size perfect. Now, what color did you say they showed you at D-H-N-C? Well, kind of gray. Gray. All they know is gray. Now, what color do you like? I was thinking maybe a brown. See, the color for the advanced styles is brown. Okay. In that case, there's a brown suit that's perfect for you. Now, here's what I'll do. To save you time and money, I'll send that suit home to you, and your troubles are over. I'll even go better. I'll make a bargain for you. Now, listen. I'll be frank with you. If one of my suits is in that fashion show, it's advertising for me. Okay. Instead of $50, I'll let you have that suit for, say, $41.98, and you'll sign an agreement where it says you will display the said suit in the show. Right? Well, okay, I guess. If I'm wearing a suit anyway, well, I might of guess course, well. and I want you to carry a small card with the name Charlie's Choice Clothes on it. Oh, I'd have to talk uh, that over with my wife. Oh, Mr. Bumstead, you can't kid me. You're a fellow that makes up his own mind. Oh, sure, but... Well, uh, it's already made up, and you know a bargain when you see it. Well, I haven't that much cash with me. Yes, your check is as good as gold. I don't have my checkbook either. Is that all? I got blank checks. Come, back into my office. I've got plenty of blank checks that will make out a little contract. Oh, I thought I ought to look around. Hey, did a suit come for me? What? What's the matter, Blondie? Dad, good Bunster. Huh? Did you order this thing home? Huh? Oh, what is that? It's a suit they sent from Charlie's Choice Clothes Store. Oh, that's a little loud, isn't it? A little loud? Look at it. It looks like a totem pole. I had no idea that's what Charlie had in mind. Haven't you even seen this suit before? No, see, Charlie said it wasn't unpacked yet. And... Well, take a look at it now. Here, slip on this coat a minute. Oh, uh, no, I can see it from here. You can see it from the next gate. But I want you to see yourself in it. Just to teach you to stay out of Charlie's place. Come on. Oh, well, Dodge, all right. Oh, it's a little tight in the waist, isn't it? Oh, is that the waist where it curves in? <laughs> From the length of the coat, I thought it was your knees. Oh. Now, look in the mirror. Uh, no, Blondie. Look, Charlie should have known better than to tell me this. Dagwood, you didn't pay for that suit. Well, yeah, in a way I did. In what way? For the check. Well, well, we'll stop the check and march that terrible thing straight back to Mr. Charlie tomorrow. Well, but listen, you, you don't know the worst of it. I signed a contract to wear the suit at the fashion show. Dagwood, you didn't. Yeah, here's a copy of it. Um, he said uh, I could save about $10 nearly if, if I'd carry a placard, too. Let me see that contract. No, there's no way out of it, I guess. There's got to be a way out, Dagwood. If Cora Ditters ever sees you at the fashion show in that... Uh, Mrs. Ditters. Oh, guys, she's on the committee, too. Now I am sunk. If I don't wear this thing, Charlie will sue me, and if I do, Diggers will probably fire me. Hey, Blondie, what am I going to do?
extra pleasure for extra value, penny for penny your best cigarette buy is the slow-burning cigarette of costlier tobaccos, Camels. By burning 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the largest-selling brands tested, slower than any of them, Camels give a smoking plus equal to five extra smokes per pack. Yes, there's five extra smokes worth of added pleasure. Smokers who live in communities where certain state cigarette taxes are in effect can save the cost of the tax, and in some instances more, through smoking camels. If you live in a community where there are no added taxes on cigarettes, the savings are all yours. So next time you buy cigarettes, stop and think. Try camels. It's America's number one cigarette for value. It's America's number one cigarette for pleasure. And now on the following day, we find Blondie with fire in her eye giving Charlie, the choice clothes salesman, a little exercise in wit. But look, Mrs. Bumstead, I got that suit special out of the case. It looks like you got it out of the Chicago fire. Well, are you going to take it back without trouble or not? Now, Mrs. Bumstead, a contract is a contract. Read the contract. It says they're black on white that your husband has got to wear that suit at the fashion show. Why, no, Charlie. I did read the contract, and all it says is he has to display it. And also a placard with it that says the suit comes from this store. What's the difference? Quite a lot. For the last time, will you tear up the country? No, ma'am. I know my rights. Oh, well, all right. We'll display the suit and the sign. You will? Good. Not so good for you, Charlie, because my husband won't wear the suit as the well-dressed man. We'll display it on the man who is dressed in bad taste. Wait, now. Now, you can't do that. Oh, yes. Read your contract. Not only that, but the sign with it will say, for real bad taste... Go to Charlie's, where this suit comes from. But that's holding up my sort of ridicule. I'll sue. Oh, no, you won't, Charlie. Read the contract again. It not only says we can display the suit and the sign, but that we must do it. Try to sue us for that. The only thing the contract doesn't say is who wears the suit or what the sign must be. Well, but listen. Now, no, you try looking for a change, Charlie. I have a proposition. <laughs> Oh, yeah, what? Oh, hello, Mr. Gettys. I'm said in times past, I sometimes wondered whether you ought to be allowed to run at large or not. I think I'm about to find out. Oh, you, you mean you think I'm not right in my head? You have a gift for understatement, Bumstead. If what I hear is true, you shouldn't be wasted in a padded cell. No. You should be exhibited on the glass. Oh, I guess you heard about that suit from Charlie. I've done worse than that. I've seen it. Oh. Or oh, one like it. When I passed Charlie's mantrap this morning, I felt a heat wave from the window. I risked one eye to look. Do you know what I saw, Bumstead? Yeah, I guess it was that suit. It's awful, isn't it? Awful? Oh. Listen, Bumstead, in that suit, an end man in a minstrel show would be overdressed. You couldn't sell that suit for banners to any self-respecting carnival. But that's not the worst, Bumstead. No? No. Oh. There's a sign on that suit, Bumstead, which claims it'll be worn by the best-dressed man at the fashion show. Now, say it isn't so, Bumstead. And say it quick. Well, I may get out of it. You may get out of it. Yes. You've got to get out of it. Just don't wear that suit anywhere. Well, uh, but what about that uh, contract with Charlie? Contract? Yes. You knew my wife was interested in that fashion show, yet you took money to wear a suit like that. Oh, no, sir. What? You mean Charlie wasn't going to pay you for wearing it? Well, not exactly. He knocked about a, 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 a couple of several dollars off the price. The price? You mean you paid him to wear that nightmare in technicolor? Well, 
Did you buy yellow button shoes, too? Why, no. Well, I can't understand that. Or maybe you knew nobody could see yellow shoes under that suit. Uh, well, look, Mr. Dithers, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, I make one every day. I like to come back to work here. Huh? But this is the end, Bumpshead. If you go through with that contract and wear that suit tonight, you're finished, Bumpshead. Well, maybe Blondie can do something with Charlie. She's down there this morning. Oh, guys, maybe that's Blondie now. J.C. Dithers Construction Company. This is J.C. Dithers' office. J.C. speaking. This is Blondie, Mr. Dithers. Is that in your office? Oh, it's for you, Bumpshead. Blondie. Yeah, uh, thanks. Oh, hello, Blondie. Uh, listen, what happened? Well, I think it's all right, Dagwood. Uh, what, what did you do? Oh, it takes too long to tell over the phone. Yeah? You just come down to the fashion show as soon as you can. Well, well bring Mr. Dittert with you. Well, Corey's well, expecting him. Well, yeah, okay, but listen. Now, don't be late now, Dagwood. Bye. Uh, hey, wait. Wait. Oh, God, she hung up. Well, what did she say? Uh, that Corey, um, Mrs. Gibbett, uh, that's your wife, uh, was expecting you down to the fashion show. Well, don't worry. I'll be there. Huh? I'll be right there in the wings when you walk out. And believe me, Bumstead, unless you are the well-dressed man and a credit to Corey and the Dither Company, your next job will be modeling Charlie's choice clothes in some waxworks. Can you see all right from here, Mr. Dither? I can see the stage, but where's that one? In the wings on the other side. He's on next, I think. Listen, Blondie, you're sure he's going to look all right? You'll be surprised. Oh, I hope I can stand it. So what are you wearing? You'll see in a minute. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the climax of the evening. A casual but sophisticated garment from Dasher, Harbor, and Craven that will instantly appeal to every snapper up of well-considered male attire. The epitome of the well-dressed man, Mr. Dagwood Thompson. <laughs> That's Bumstead? Hey, he looks like a fashion place. What's he doing now? Oh, a little bit of pain of mine. Dressing like a fashion on the screen. Hey, Blondie. <laughs> How was I? How did I look? Huh? Oh, you were wonderful. Dad. Congratulations, Bumstead. A credit to offer. Oh. Uh, who did the fellow say your tailor was? Uh, why, it's Deborah Hatcher and Quiver. Uh, Quiver. <laughs> well, what's the name of the place you got this from, Blondie? Oh, Blondie picks out your suit, Jay. Oh, no. I just helped get it delivered in time. Well, that's a wonderful looking suit. <laughs> oh, uh, just a continental trifle. A dub gray and a two button sack. Uh, conventional. Yet with a bit of that audacious that distinguish it from the same old, same old thing to those uh, truly in the know. Huh? Oh. Can you afford clothes like that on your salary, Bumstead? I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Ditters. Dagwood and I have the meaning to speak to you about salary. Oh, yes. Well, excuse me, Bumstead. I've got to get back to Corey. I uh, know she'll be pleased. Uh, see you another time. I guess I uh, can afford to pay $75 for a suit. Uh, Maybe I ought to ask him to take it back. Huh? Why, no, dear. Didn't I tell you? Oh, my. This right. necklace didn't cost a cent more than the terrible one from Charlie. Oh, that? Well, you see, I found out that Charlie had not to suit up before he made you a discount. Yes? He really overcharged you $20 and put you in an embarrassing position besides. So I had a little talk with him about the law of damages. You did? I certainly did. And after our talk, Charlie decided that he would rather buy his suit back from us than go through with the contract and have a lot of bad publicity. He gave me $20 more than you paid to get it back. Gone? Mm -hmm. 
So then I had $65, and Belcher Harbor and Craven came down $10 on their price. You know, after I told them their name would be mentioned at the fashion show. So then I could buy this nice suit without any extra money at all. <laughs> and Charlie really helped me buy mm-hmm. it, huh? <laughs> Bonnie, that's wonderful. Oh, look, Dagwood, here come the photographers. I'm a man who wants an interview for his magazine, Men's Fashion. Congratulations, Mr. Bumstead. Oh, uh, you mind letting us have a picture, just as you are? Uh, you know, just be flecking a speck of dust in your sleeve. Oh, oh that was a wonderful bit. You ready? Ha-ha! Thank you! All right, that's all, boys. Now, Mr. Bumstead, uh, just a word or two for our readers. Uh, what are your rules for success as the well-dressed man? Oh, that's easy. Always pick your wife with you when you're selecting clothes. Ah, excellent. But, uh, suppose one is a bachelor. <laughs> that's easy, too. Just find a smart girl, like Blondie, <laughs> and marry her right away. <laughs> Blondie is played by Benny Singleton and Dagwood by Arthur Lake, the Columbia Picture Stars. And so until next Monday, we leave the bumpsteads Blondie and Dagwood. But the makers of Camel Cigarettes have other radio treats for you during the week. Tomorrow night over these same stations, you can listen to the music of Bob Crosby and the best Dixieland band in the land with Johnny Mercer and Helen Ward. And if you like swing, well, you'd better make a date with your radio for Saturday night when Benny Goodman and the world's greatest swing band with Mildred Bailey bring you another musical caravan. That's a tip for your radio pleasure. And for your smoking pleasure, let us suggest that you try Camel. You'll find more pleasure for puffs, more puffs for packs. Our Blondie Orchestra is directed by Billy Arch, who also creates the special musical effects. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for the makers of Camel Cigarettes. Good night, all. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Blondie first started as a newspaper comic strip in 1930, created by Chick Young. The franchise moved to a series of successful B-movies starting in 1938. Finally, Blondie moved to the radio in 1939 and ran until 1950. The two stars, Penny Singleton and Arthur Lake, first appeared as Blondie and Dagwood in the movies, then on The Bob Hope Show in 1938, and made the successful transition to the radio program. This is just a fun suburban slapstick comedy show. Dagwood Bumstead is improbably married to the lovely and level-headed Blondie. The Bumstead family consists of Dagwood, Blondie, their son Alexander, and later on their baby Cookie. Dagwood works for J.C. Dithers Construction Company as a lowly accountant, and his relationship with his overbearing bosses is set up for many of the antics of the show. The program reminds me of a precursor to I Love Lucy and the Flintstones, in which Dagwood gets himself into bizarre and comical situations, and Blondie manages to save the day. Arthur Lake, who played Dagwood, loved the part, and would have been happy if he could be Dagwood forever. And at 11 years, that's almost forever in Hollywood terms. Penny Singleton, who portrayed Blondie from 1939 to the mid-1940s, does a good job of converting a comic strip character to a three-dimensional persona. Blondie was later played by Patricia Van Cleve. Hanley Stafford played Dagwood's demanding boss, Dithers. Stafford also played Daddy on the Baby Snooks show. The Bumstead's neighbor was played by Harold Peary of the Great Gildersleeve fame. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.